0: February 18th, 2024. We're continuing in Mesilat Yesharim and Perik Kafdalid at the paragraph where it says Ach HaYir'ah. And if you recall, what Ramchal had developed for us, what he described to us, is there's different divisions and a certain hierarchy in the context of Yir'ah. Yir'ah, translated as fear or awe of heaven. You can, at the most base level, deal with a childish but some adults as well, Yerata Onesh, I fear punishment, that's why I do what I do. Above that, Yerata Romimut, I have an awe, I'm inspired by heaven. And in turn, in the situation of sin or of doing a mitzvah, that's what brings me to it. I want to get closer to God. I understand and feel his majesty. That's what drives me. Lastly, and most significantly, an uh, offshoot of Yirat Haromimut wrote Ramhal over the course of this period. He says there's Yerat hat is the way he describes it. It's that I fear, yes, of course, the majesty and greatness of God, but not only in the context of His prescribed mitzvot and Averot. He told me to do this, He uh, told me to abstain from this, and that's why I listen everything in between, every decision that I make, everything of approaching the mitzvah, everything, removing myself from the Averah is inspired by this as well. Writes Ramchal, ach, Helkeha yira hazot shenayim, he now, although he broke it down into three or two, which were three, he says, now that last one, the Yerat Hed, we can break into two as well. hu <laughs> ba'avar. He says, the first of these divisions is in the present or in the future, and the other in the past. And he explains. <laughs> he says, that this. First First is the one we've really been discussing over the course of this chapter, and that is, as I approach things, as I'm in my present tense situation, I'm deciding, I'm determining, I'm discerning, is this appropriate, is this wrong, does this match my values, is this in line with my direction, my trajectory, that's the Hoveh or Atid, the present or future, every decision I make. Again, outside of the pure black and white of 613 mitzvot is inspired by this yirat Be'avar, what about retrospectively, looking into the past, It doesn't mean that I'm only looking forward, although that's significant. It means I'm questioning, I'm debating, I'm deliberating over what I did in the past, what I put into motion. It's not that you're crying over spilled milk. It's that I'm determining and deciding, did my actions in the past inspire a situation now in the present or into the future, which is negative? And that, as a result, is a reason for me to fix it in the present or future. Again, what was done is done, of course I want forgiveness for that, but more importantly and significantly for my future tenses to realize what was done, how I brought myself to this state of being. Of course you could call that future and present tense, but oftentimes where we are is so inspired by where we were that we need to take stock of what i decided where i put myself in order to uh, place myself in a better situation right now i can give you examples of this of individuals whom the Hachamim point to and highlight and speak highly of individuals who based on past potential wrongful situations they were um, either preemptively or because they were uncertain or just out of doubt, looking to fix it. That's an amazing, uh, off the beaten track case, the Gemara Masechet Keritot, which he's citing, explains how Bava Ben Buta, every day, would sacrifice what is known as an Asham Talui. He was uncertain whether he had sinned, and as a result, he'd bring a sacrifice for that doubt, for that uncertainty, every single day. It sounds a little bit obsessive. It is. It's a bit extreme. But the description is one in which I'm constantly questioning myself. The kernel of truth that's embedded in that Gemara, which describes an individual who was constantly nervous, is how we are constant. I mean, it's it's what the many of the great Musara uh, masters uh, describe us doing daily. We should be taking a cheshbon hanefesh. Uh, we should be determining what went into my decisions this past day, and I'm in turn questioning them constantly in order to make certain that I'm progressing. Mispar kulam ki And furthermore, he brings another one of these fascinating, again, off the beaten track cases where the hachamim imagine Iov, that of course figure from his book, Iov, how he would sacrifice or he did sacrifice for the potential wrongdoings of his children. Of course, children being an extension of father, he, without knowing that they did wrong, would be sacrificing hal is stressing these extreme cases for each of us to take stock of our decisions, to make ter- to make decisions based on what we've done or decided in the past. And lastly, and perhaps the most, at least in my opinion, exaggerated case is Moshe and Aharon, the Kemaran Masechet Torayot. Before we read it, I'll describe it to you. Moshe, of course, needed to anoint Aharon in order to establish him as the Kohen Gadon. We'll read about it in coming weeks, Parashot. And uh, the Shemen HaMishcha, the oil with which you anoint, of course, Nadav and Avihu is, 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 is is a wrongdoing, but the Shemen HaMishcha, which is used, is uh, is uh, strictly speaking forbidden for uh, regular people to use. We're not allowed to benefit from it in any way. Just like if you sanctify an animal to the mikdash, you can't benefit from it, so too that oil can't benefit from it. But it was a command in order to uh, coronate the Kohen uh, gadol, or a king, you have to put on them the Hamish ha Moshe Moshe Naharon says the Gemara were both very nervous that they had done it wrong. Perhaps they got some benefit, inappropriately so, from that Shechinah Mishchad, and it's an amazing thing. In the midst of fulfilling God's command of putting the Shechinah Mishchad, the Gemara imagines Moshe and Aharon as questioning themselves. So it's it's the furthest extreme of Ramchal of Mesilat Yesharim's description. Not only are you questioning in the moment of mitzvah, am I doing it? Am I properly performing? Or Avera, I'm going to move away from it. But furthermore, in between and the decisions I make in the uh, parv uh, gray areas, but even more so, when I'm doing what's right, so to speak, I've, I once talked about this and got criticized because everybody said to me, just allow for everyone to do it, talked about why we do chayseid. Are we doing chayseid just so we feel good? It sometimes bothers me that the only message with regards to doing good acts for others is how it'll make us feel good. I think there's a shortcoming in that. I think it's inspiring and I think it gets people to do it. I think we need to speak further than that. And I think we need to stress that we're not doing it for ourselves because if we're doing the act for the other just because it makes you feel good afterwards, well, then you're kind of missing the point. You're still selfishly feeding yourself. Your ego is at the center of it. I stressed this at one point or another, and uh, for good reason. People said maybe you shouldn't be speaking so much. Allow for people to get involved, and then... Trying to, of course, I'll balance it. But uh, this is the extreme in that respect. They're doing the right thing. They're doing the command of God. And in that moment, they're questioning themselves. Are we doing this right? The Pasuk says with regards to that uh, oil, which is used for anointment. The Pasuk will say in coming week parasha that you can't anoint any standard person with that Shem and HaMishchah. But on the other hand, that Aharon, there was a command that he should be anointed with it. And as a result, Moshe and Aharon were nervous, they feared. Maybe they wrongfully used it. Maybe in the midst of, that's my mashal, to the chesed, maybe as I'm performing chesed, I have wrong feelings. Maybe it's all just for me. Maybe I have to focus more on the other. So they, in this moment, says the Gemara, imagine the rabbis, were fearing maybe we're doing this wrong. We're following God's command, but maybe we're benefiting from this oil. How so? And Moshe was nervous. Maybe I got some benefit. Maybe uh, the Shem in some way uh, benefited me. Maybe my hands by uh, anointing. Maybe in some way the smell. I mean, the Gemara and the Rish and the detail what could have been the fear, but there could be a fear in any and every circumstance. You know, they have by him. Did I get Hana'ah from the Nerot Hanukkah. Nerot Hanukkah, you're not supposed to benefit from them. So here, that one's easy, so just walk out of the room. Over here, I anointed, I'm nervous, I'm uncertain, did I do it right? Again, ramhal in this chapter it should be noted we're at the very end of the book he's speaking and he'll finish if you look to the final words in this פerek uh, he quotes a pasuk Uh, He's talking about Yirah for the Kedoshim, for the sanctified. There's no question that Ramallah over the course of this chapter is talking about an extreme. He's talking about when you've made it. But there is nonetheless opportunity, there is circumstance and situation for us to glean from that messages to our own lives. In the moment I remember, I was an 18-year-old boy studying in yeshiva. There was a rabbi. I hope he's still alive. I don't know. His name was Rabbi Moshe Rosemarin. Rabbi Rosemarin wrote many books called Devar Moshe on Talmud*. He used to teach us in the afternoon twice a week, or what? Twice a week, *Habura* uh, on the Gemara we were learning. It was a tre- tremendous opportunity. We heard nice Shi'urim from him, etc. From time to time, he mixed in *Hashkafa*. For him, *Hashkafa* Jewish thought was not so much, of course it was as well, it was dedication in a full and utter respect to Talmud Torah. This was a person, is a person perhaps, who studied Torah passionately his whole life, gave his every fiber of being to Torah. So one time he was teaching then, we walked out either inspired or confused, I don't remember, and there was an older guy who was in the Kolel at the time, probably not so old, but probably in his... 25 or something compared to us 18. And he was very annoyed that the rabbi had spoken. He went to talk to the rabbi, he told me about this afterwards, because he said, this rabbi has in no way any way of speaking to you about this sort. I said, why not? He said, do you know what he does at night? He said, we've seen it. He's like an older generation individual. Someone they talk about from hundreds of hours. What do you mean? They said, he's in the Beit Midrash at night with young guys and some yeshiva in Yerushalayim. He has buckets of water, which he places his feet into of cold, of, of, of freezing cold water to stay awake. He nibbles on kernels of uh, of coffee beans in order to keep himself awake. He's a person which we have no, in terms of dedication to Torah, no, no grasp. We're not even coming. He's speaking to young boys and looking to inspire them. He's just going to cause you to all be nervous and to feel like failures. I asked him, what was the response of the rabbi? I don't really remember this, but I think that, at least in my reconstructed memory, the response could have been or should have been, I can still inspire them. In other words, I think that Ramchal, in including this in his book, instead of leaving this out, gives us something to aspire to. It's 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 a something. It's it's a pie in the sky. It's a out there goal and ambition. But at the very least, it gives us something to strive toward. Of course, we need to begin in the first half of Mitzilat Yesharim. But that's not to discredit the final part and to say, well, this is what we can and should be. Constantly striving for. He writes, Ve Abraham, a asab la azor the bin ahiv lot. Similarly, you find with Abraham after he saves lot, the midrash explains the Pasuk ayamit pahed ve omer shemelo zakuma asab le gamre humashi pershuzel al Pasuk al tira Abraham. So the Pasuk says that God turns to Abraham. After he saves Lot from Sedom and tells him not to worry, why was he worrying? What would he be nervous about? Different interpretations. Um, Rashi, in his commentary to the Torah, if you recall, says that he was nervous. Now he used all of his zechut in saving his uh, his relative Lot. Maybe there was no zechut left. The midrash has a different interpretation. <inaudible> The fear of Abraham was maybe in saving Lot a mitzvah, objectively speaking. As I said this year on the parasha, I said that's the first act of chesed we learn of Abraham. It's an amazing thing. It was and is very relevant to now. It's the redemption of captives. That's the first. It's not Orchim. It's not I mean, all the other acts of chesed. It's Anyway, the fear of Avraham, says the Midrash, was maybe I killed an innocent person as well. To that, God says, don't fear. He was in the midst of doing a mitzvah, perhaps one of the greatest mitzvah, redeeming captives. And yet, says the Midrash, and Ramchal again stresses this, as he did in the last three cases. He says, you're dealing with an individual who above and beyond, even in the moment of doing right, on the straight path, has fears, the fechahne emarlo altira avram ve amrut the tanad re liav, altira avram inomrim altira il mishu yeresha maim la amithod Midrash says that God only says, Altira don't fear to people who are truly fearful. In other words, you have nothing to fear more, the interpretation is because you've truly filled yourself in terms of that appropriate awe and fear. This is, as he's described, the true, the genuine, the authentic about which the and berachot and Shabbat says, So to speak, God's existence is manifested best and most pristinely in this world through... Yirat That's the osar, the storehouse of Yerat this true one. He's referring to the Gemara there in Berachot, at the very least, where the Gemara comments on the Pasuk in Sefer Devarim, where Moshe turns to B'nai and says, What's he asking? Not just to fear him? And the Gemara says, Atu yira "Is Yira is all oh, fear of heaven a small thing, to which the Gemara says, For more, Moshe, it was because for Moshe, that capacity which he had grown himself into, something so grand and so great, oh. seemed small and easy. The conclusion of Ramchal here in this period we've seen hinted at one or two other times, we'll see it again afterwards, he describes Moshe and the Avot as being very different than you and me. Why? Because of their ability to transcend the physical Was what uh, allowed for them, opened gates for them to connect to the spiritual. That's what he writes. He says, Hasidim can get to it as much as they can. Others have that homer, have that physical side, which prevents us. He cited earlier in the book from the Gemara in Massechet Yomand, the Gemara over there makes a derashaf and a pasuk, which talks about Vinitmatim. Read it as uh, not Tum'a, but rather as Timtum, Vinitmetim. Timtum, the word tumtum or le-kam-tim means to close up. The concept which the rabbis in several places have is known as timtum haliv. The more physical we become, the more involved in this worldly env- uh, endeavors and pleasures we engage in and we uh, become a part of, the more closed off we become to a spiritual capacity. That's his description at the end here. If you're seeking that yira'ah, you need a first. I'll we'll go through the first 23 chapters of Misilat Yesharim. Refine yourself. Bring yourself to an open mind and open soul to that. Uh, just beginning this next Perek, where Ramaha will now, as he has throughout the book, tell us how do you achieve Yirah. So I told you what Yirah is. Again, to review it very briefly, the Yirah Ha'amitit, that highest level of fear and awe of heaven, is one in which I'm not commanded to do so per se. But innately, and that's what we stressed last week, it becomes part of who I am, my identity, my personality, that I fear, not inappropriately, but in every sort. I mean, I'm paying attention to detail. I am now attuned to the smaller things. I am conditioned to notice where something might be, or was, or will be off. Uh, that's this year. Uh, Says Ramchal, how do you get to that? And I'd like to just for the last few moments uh, focus on his opening words over here. He says, in The way to achieve this authentic, this true Yirah, is by focusing on two fundamental issues, two true matters. The first is that God's presence is manifested everywhere. Of course, once I feel that, once I think that, once I experience that, well, then I I, I see Him in every decision that I make. And as a result, or in addition, God is what well, we were talking about hashgaha before the class, it means to have a certain surveillance. Now, to get to the fine details of that, we won't do now. Uh, HaRambam in, pere- in Perek Yod Zayin of Morin Muchim focuses on different approaches to hashgaha, God's not presence, but surveillance of humanity and of the world. Lots to be said and too much to be discussed. But the words of Ramhala are, and very tellingly, that an all big and small grand and minute matters and issues god is in some respect mashkiach and he goes on to cite Pesukim for that but before that ani stam neged naf lomi pne godel hanoseh velomi pne pchitut pchituto elah davar gadol va davar hakatan haniklevah nikpad hu roeh ve hu mevin belefrash the grand and the great as well as what appears to us as the small and less significant to God is all on equal playing field. That's the description, of course, the Gemara, which we've cited more than once in Masechel Megillah, Lamed Aleph, has several Pesukim in which it states that in the greatness of God, that's where you'll find his humility. Pesukim in Torah, Nebim and Ketubim, where you talk about God being filled, or God filling the galaxies in the universe. At the same time, paying attention to the downtrodden and the, uh, uh, and the uh, of course, we'll find it says, says Sharon with the senebo Erbaesh the har sinai, the small, while the grand and, and, and magnificent God appears. That concept, which Ramchal brings forth over here just another minute or two on it, to understand God's greatness, which I think in turn can and should inspire us, is to realize that when a person rises to greatness, and of course God in his grand state, there is as a result no distinction between what others see as small or grand. In other words, if, it's, if, if you're above all that, so to speak, if you're controlling all that, then what's the distinction? It's great people who pay attention to the fine details. It's the stories we tell about the great rabbis, when they noticed the little boy on the side, when they invited in uh, the, uh, the widowed woman. Why, is it, why are those stories so significant to us? Because in a simple sense, we assume they're focused on the greater, grander issues, while at the same time, instead they prove to us through actions, the small is just as grand as what appears to be the great. That's the description of HaKadosh Baruch In truth, in Kabbalistic terminology, Nefesh HaChayim, the Ba'al HaTanya, they talk about this in the following terminology. It's in Zohar and as such as well, that God is, so to speak, Soviv Kalaumin. God has this presence outside of the existence as you and I know it. He's soviv. he's surrounding, uh, so to speak, the earth and all of uh, humanity and anything and everything that exists. While at the same time, he's mimmalek amin he fills it all. That ability to be outside and in at the same time, well, that's the greatness and greatness. We have it in the Midrash in this past week's parasha as well. The Midrash describes how Moshe Rabbeinu wants to create this mishkan. He doesn't know what are the measurements going to be for it. It's probably going to have to be too big for me to even imagine, to which God says not so much, so just a few cubits here and a few cubits there, and I'll be mitzamtzim myself. I'll, so to speak, nestle myself into it. That word tzimtzum, that condensing, contraction of God's presence. The Kabbalists also imagine as God's ability to go out of it, to be misabev, misabev kala'almin. It's the ability for us to appreciate his grandness while at the same time realizing and understanding that's why ironically, paradoxically, every small matter is just as significant I'll conclude without reading it inside with what has always inspired me since I read it in this book the written world the written word uh, excuse me, the written world uh, there's a description of uh, the Apollo eight mission the Apollo eight mission was. Uh, and a mission, in, if I'm not mistaken, in 1968, where there were several American astronauts who were to go to space and to look at the moon. They weren't going to land on the moon, they weren't even going to send something to the moon, they were going to determine how in future missions we could land on the moon. And then in front of 500 million watchers and listeners down on Earth, they had a very significant moment. And they were really going against what the Soviet Union, the first person to enter into space had said when he came down, he came down he said, I searched and I searched and I couldn't find a God. And just listen to that description. I saw the grandness, I saw the greatness, and as a result, I realized that there is no God they, in contrast, unexpectedly, without anyone knowing what was coming, took out of their pockets a crumpled up piece of paper and began to read, and what did it say on it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they read the first several pesukim in English, of course, of Bereshit. It's a very moving. You can watch it online, but you can watch it online in the scripture and see it where they, where they, where they speak with passion and emotion. Again, as they saw the grandness, as they stepped out of existence, as they looked at the world and it appeared to be so small. They then in that very moment understood the greatness of God. There is that back and forth in terms of appreciating in our own lives with one another in the small acts and the greater acts, while at the same time learning that from God. The description of Ramchal here is if you want Yira, if you want to appreciate God in his fullest, understand his involvement in the small and in the grand. That is the true mark of greatness. Baruch Adonai Adam. Amen Amen.